With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome back to the Shades of Blue Soccer Show. This is Thad Bell from thebluetestament.com. On the line, I should have a couple people. Uh, Steve Brizendine from MLS Soccer, are you there? I am here. And Mike Kuhn from downthebyline.com, are you there, Mike? I am here. Well, welcome, guys. It's been a while since we had all three of us on, for dang sure. Yeah, that was like last year sometime, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been a while. Um, try to get these a little more regular now for people who are listening, at least, at least a little more frequent. Um, <laughs> hey, well, big news in the sporting world is the signing of the Portuguese center back Nuno Andre Cuejo. I'm pretty sure I just butchered his name, at least part of it. Um, Mike, what do you know about this guy? I mean, I I, there, I don't know a ton. I mean, he, he's he, he's basically I guess what you would call a, a typical Kansas City signing in that he's not a guy that the majority of us have, have heard of uh up to up to this point. Um just like um uh Julio Cesar, Raylene Collin, um Christian Namath even to an extent. So I mean there there it, it's a guy that we don't know a lot of. We we just have kind of find on the net about him. Um Portuguese center back has played um, play might be a bit of a stretch at times, but played for some of the biggest clubs in, in Portugal and most recently uh, played in Turkey. And that, that almost is the extent. Uh, How about you, Steve? What do you think of this guy? Oh, I saw this on Twitter the other day. I think that, well, what one one before I get to that, I mean, he's played in, in European competition. That's a good thing. Um, and like Mike said, this is a, this is one of those things where you, I think the 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 front office at Sporting look for good players in less than ideal situations. I was also thinking of Sony Mustafar as another guy who was uh, in that in that situation, and even to, to some extent, Rudy Rosell, even though he was in Barcelona's system, he was with Barca B, and uh, you know, not really getting any top flight play. So, um, but back to what I was thinking the other day is the, the thing that jumps out about me is this guy is six foot four. I mean, that, if he's got any ups at all, um, it's going to make him a pretty formidable force in the air. Um, if uh, the question now then is where does he play? When does he play? Because if Ico Parra can come back, uh, we've seen what kind of a beast he can be aerially and, and, on, on defense as well. Um, Matt Beasler is still Matt Beasler, very solid, very 
very positionally oriented. So is this a, a center back triad uh, with uh, Cuello looking to move in if, if Beasler is with the national team at uh, the Copa uh, Centenario? Uh, it'll – I've rehearsed this. It'll be interesting to see how he, how he pans out. But I think the height alone is going to make this guy somebody that uh, other teams are going to have to take notice of. Do you get the feeling that uh, Brad Davis and Justin Mapp and Graham Zusi and Benny Failhaber all started salivating when they realized how tall this guy was? <laughs> well, you think about, you know, obviously they don't play Yankee Stadium this year uh, when they have NYCFC, but uh, Beasler and those throw-ins, uh, yeah, and, and then the set-piece service from the other guys, that's going to be uh, – I think he'll be a target if he's out there on the pitch. Uh, Mike, how about you for as far as like uh, how many options we have back there? Sporting has you know with with Beezer, Cueo, with Opara, with with Ellis, with Olam. I'm probably forgetting somebody, but a lot of variety possible back there. No, I, I mean we we've gone from it, it's amazing how how just one signing may, makes us go from oh my god we need a center back we're we're really thin there this year to. Hey, we're actually pretty deep at center back now. Um with 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 just the with just the one position we now have uh or the one addition we now have uh five guys uh, uh, available to play center back and that that's not even counting Olam when you have Beesler, Opara, uh Cueo, Ellis and uh EPB you, you have five guys who, who who can play the the center back position for Kansas City, so it's it's a nice thing. It's a nice nice problem to have. Um, obviously, uh, from it, it, there are still some concerns with even with having five. I mean, you have Opara, who's had one healthy season in his in, in, entire MLS career, more or less, in, in uh, six years, and uh, Cueo himself hasn't played since since November of 2014. So, I mean, he's been off for, he'll be off for almost 16 months by the time uh, sporting plays their first real game in March. So there are still some questions, even with the amount of depth that we're, we now have at center back. Has anybody identified what his injury was that kept him from playing or was it just that he wasn't in somebody's favor, you know? Well, I, I what I read was his last game. He came on as a substitute and was subbed out about ten minutes later. And another side I looked at made it look like it was a uh, a ligament injury, so uh, ACL, MCL, one of one of the one of the big uh, ligaments in the knee. From uh, watching the highlights that I've seen so far, uh, there's. Quite a, quite long ones out there actually of him. Uh, he looked like he had some speed and could handle the ball and uh, was you know he knew, he knew when to step in and make the tackle. Uh, you know highlight reels are highlight reels. Uh, you know they can they can always make almost anybody look good. Uh, but it looks like he had quite a bit of capability there. Uh, I mean Steve, how do you think he fits in with you know the way we have Beasler or Apara if they if he fits in with those guys? It's uh, well. It's, I think he he may be a, a guy that they look at for uh, at, at the outset as an open cup guy, as a CCL guy, as a guy who steps in for 
Beasler in the summer if he's again with the national team. And we've seen Peter Vermees in the past use an extra center back in a close game, especially starting with Houston a couple times where he'd bring on uh, Opara back when Arena and Collin was still uh, with Sporting. They would have three center backs out there uh, in a tight game. So you could see him as that guy coming on late, like Eric Palmer Brown did a little bit last year. Um, but in terms of, of jumping right in and making a splash, I don't know, coming back from, from an injury that sat you for a year, um, I, I don't know when we'll first see him. Maybe it'll be early in the year. Maybe it'll be more when Open Cup opens up. So it's kind of hard to tell how they will use him uh, in that that uh the back line right now. No, so supposedly they're still waiting on you know P1 visas and all the the right approvals. If I understood that correctly, but he is currently in Arizona, probably on a visitor visa or something like that. But um, he is currently in Arizona, so he's training with them at least from what it sounded like. Yeah, if he gets some time in with them, gets get some familiarity, maybe he comes up to speed faster. A lot of it, you know, you come back from. A ligament injury, they say a lot of guys come back stronger from an injury like that. So maybe he's ready to go. Maybe he's good out the gate. It'll be um, it'll be something that, that really, I think, training camp will sort out. It'll be interesting to watch the uh, the exhibition games in uh, in Tucson this year and to see how, uh, how he plays and where he plays and then what he does while he's out there. So... Uh... So overall, guys, I'm, I'm asking this to both of you, but one at a time. Obviously, is this is this a signing that kind of makes us feel like we're we're set now? Um, what do you think, Mike? I I, let, like, I do feel better than I did before the signing. Um, obviously, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm 100% feeling great, but I mean, I feel we. Everything we've done this off season has has addressed needs that I think everybody has has seen in the club, and th- this is just another one of the, those needs that we absolutely had to address this off season. So in that regard, I- I'm pleased with the move. I'm I- I, at the same time I'm a little apprehensive j- simply based off of the history, but. I mean, Vermes has shown in the past that he can he, he can get guys to uh, to to come in and play. So uh, I'm willing to give Vermes the benefit of the doubt at this point. Yeah, he, he he's not perfect. I mean, there have been some misses, but it, for the most part, most of them have come in and performed fairly well. Uh, Steve, what do you think? <clears throat> I, I think it is. They were looking for a center back, of course, pretty much as soon as Ike went down last year and just never got a deal done. During the uh, the regular season and summer transfer window, so uh, I, I think obviously they've been scouring for quite some time. It does plug the last real hole in the uh, in the lineup, unless you want to look up front and say that they could use another striker. But um, you've got a pretty good scores tandem in in Dwyer and Nimit. Now, granted, Nimit is going to be gone during the uh, the Euros, so might have liked to see him pick up another scorer type guy but you know if as long as, as Dwyer is is on his touch with finishing um and you know they got some people other people can play up front it'd be interesting to see how how quickly Daniel Shalloway comes along um but 
I think the, the, if there is one gap left, it might be up front uh, in terms of depth. But beyond that, I think they really have addressed all the issues. Uh, one of the things we haven't talked about much is, is bringing in another keeper because of what that lets them do, I think, is, is get Kemp in minutes with Swope Rangers. If, if I'm if I'm predicting, that's what I'm predicting, is that Kempen gets minutes with Swope Rangers and that this new guy is going to back up uh, Tim Millie with, with – um, Kempen ready to go if something happens to step in as the number one ahead of this this new kid who came in, but I really do think they they've addressed uh, any concerns that they had about depth pretty much all over the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, um, you know, with the max roster of twenty eight, I think most most of the year I think we carried twenty five. Is that right, Mike? Twenty five. Uh, most of the year it was twenty. Well. 25 after after Ike went down, but technically 26. Okay, um, and then with all the various injuries, I mean there was uh, there was even one game where I think they only they dressed 17, if I remember correctly. Um, I think there was a couple games where they might have had 18 on the bench, but the 18th player wasn't ever going to step on the field. Um, at this point, right now, we, we're at the max, we're over the max, um, and as uh, Steve alluded to, or not alluded, but talked about it a minute ago about maybe sending Kempen down. I mean, it's most likely they'll send at least one keeper down to Swope Park Rangers. Um, but they're going to have to at least get rid of a couple people at this point, whether it's cutting, whether it's sending them down. Um, and there's some funny roster rules about that, so I'm not sure. I think you can only send one down that will not take count against the roster, but there's I, I'm not totally sure about that yet. Um, and then uh, tonight, Heinemann mentions possibly this uh, another midfielder that out there that they were looking to get on loan might have turned into acquiring. Lots of opportunities there to move players. Still, what do you do? You for what do you foresee out there, Mike? Uh, in, in terms of getting making space on the roster for for the new additions, I, I mean, I, I think I I agree with what you what you and Steve have said. I think Kempen is. It is going to, going to go play with uh, the Rangers, um, but he with with the team in town. I th- I think he's definitely going to be the uh, the number two keeper. So if Melia goes down, Kempen's going to uh, get recalled and be the one that starts the next the, the next game. Khan is is just there to uh, in case Melia goes down in a game as he did uh, in, in Portland. I think. Um, as for who could go down for the entire season and open up a roster spot on on the senior roster, I think you got to look at someone like like uh, Connor Hallisey or uh, or Eric Palmer Brown. I mean, um, Hallisey is just we we just have so many more numbers now in midfield with the on the wing in midfield with the likes of uh, Map and Davis even Anor being healthy this year and uh, De Jong being able to play up there. Uh, I think Halsey is just kind of the odd man out at this point and really just needs to get games. So I think he would be a prime candidate candidate to uh, to send to Swope Park for the entire season. Um, Palmer Brown graduated high school now, is uh, needs to get minutes, and again with, uh, with the Rangers in town, Vermes can be there to help facilitate his uh, his transition 
in the professional game still, which I think was another reason why he was held off from from going out on loan to uh, to our USL affiliates. He Vermes, from everything I've ever seen of him, it, it likes to be very involved with his players, um, and I think that was one of the main reasons why we never really used the affiliate affiliates to to the full potential we could have. Um, as for the rest of the roster spots, I mean, I think you got to look at two guys I already mentioned in in Anor and DeYoung as being odd men out um, on the roster. I mean, Anor was injured for a very good portion of last season, um, didn't get a whole lot of time, didn't look overly great when he did. And then you got uh, DeYoung, who can play both sides on the both uh, forward and back on the wing, but with the re-signing of Sinovic and the emergence of, of Dia last year, you, you got to think that Kansas City is not going to carry three left backs this year. The one thing about the yeah, that is, is that I think they, if, they, if they're looking to move him, which I don't know if they, they will or not, they might wait to see it until they see exactly how Rodgers come back from that uh, – that foot injury, because you, then you do have another guy who can play an overlapping role on the left side uh, from the mid spot, uh, who, who's got that left foot and, and can do some things down that flank, albeit not on the front line, not on the, not on the back line. I think he could make that transition. I think maybe if you're looking to move a guy out earlier, maybe it is on your because he's, he, he has been out of the conversation for quite some time, like you said. But I think they might take a look at Roger, make sure he's back at full speed and good to go before they decide whether or not to, to pull the trigger on any moves that they might make uh, with De Jong. Yeah, the when um, in Vermeer's press conference the other day, he he made it very clear that there's definitely going to be some more movement, um, not just in but possibly out. At least I got that impression that. You know, he he still looked at maybe somebody going out, and I don't know if that's a you know a trade I, I don't for think that was player. A I think he said he said that there would be you know, people going out um, yeah. because of the of the of the roster because they can't trade. Really, realistically, they can't trade because you're getting rid of one guy, you're bringing in another guy, unless you're trading draft picks or trading for cash, which they've done before. But um, I don't think they're going to make a player for player move in terms of bringing anybody in this year. I think it's going to be offloading from now on, unless it's that deal that Rob was talking about, but everything else I think is going to be offloading. Yeah, when and when I say sent out, it might be two guys for one or, or a guy for cash, like you said, or, or draft picks or whatever is needed at that point. Um, you know, stack, stack up a few and – Get a couple extra first round draft picks next year, or something. You know, whatever he ends up doing, um, we, we'll definitely see. It sounds like we'll definitely see at least one player leave, not just not just go to Swope Park, but leave the whole club in in entirety. Uh, at least, again, that's the impression I got from what he said. Well, Mike, if you're on the same page, oh, it, it, Dad and I were talking about this because we're at the news conference today. But targeted targeted allocation money seems to be a pretty prominent thing. It, piece of this club's plan to retain the core of their players. So, what do you, you know, Mike, is that your kind of take, too, that, that if a guy goes out, it may be for that, that TAM that, uh, that they like so much to keep uh, their, the veteran players played? I, I think you do. I mean, we we had uh, – last year we had Espinoza being paid down, or, or at least per the 
player union salary numbers. We had Espinoza paid down with uh, general allocation money. I, I think you could look to get him onto uh, onto TAM money this year. Um, I think um, you you also could look at uh, Failhaber or Dwyer with potential raises. Also, uh, Namath, who was um, who at least in Hungary has been speculated to be unhappy with his wages with uh with the team. So I mean we, we have a number of players that would be considered core players that you could certainly spend probably all of our all of our TAM and uh general allocation money on this off season to, to keep that core intact. Yeah, and and I think it is it's more so even than TAM is the general allocation money because there's so much you can do with it and there's less uh, restrictions on that at this point. So the TAM, you're very more, restricted in how you can use it. Which I think they're, they're, people are, teams are more likely to get rid of TAM than they are uh, general allocation money, which is why I was thinking about targeted, which sporting, given the way that they structure their roster, I think that they can, they can make better use of target allocation money than a lot of clubs can. Yeah, that, that may be I'm not totally sure um, because of like the, the because of the restriction we're talking about. It's got to go uh, if you, if you're signing a DP, you got to pay down one. Um, it's got to be of more money than the DP that you're paying down, um, and it's got to be used within certain time ranges. It's there's just a lot of aspects to it, and you know I don't know who. You know, we we basically have, we'd have to make Nemo or Dwyer or Benny a DP at that point and say pay down Zussi, um or things like that. It's it's not that it's not doable. It's just that those are things you have to do in order to use it. Um, you, you know, know bringing in another player. Nemet would would qualify as a DP. I think now he's a senior international. Uh, played competitively for his country in international tournaments. I think you'd make a pretty pretty solid case for him as a DP. Uh, even though he's played his way back in while he was at Sporting, I, th- I think I don't see that you would have too many hurdles uh, to declare him a DP and get him paid off with it, that money, and then you know, again, like you said, pay Graham down or or somebody like that. Well, I think there's a case for making several players DPs or at least <laughs> paid as DPs, and Nemo, Dwyer, Failhaber. Um, you know, who else knows who might be coming in? Don't know what Davis's contract is looking like now. Um, just a lot of different options there for who needs to be paid or could be paid. Yeah, I think the the the, the general the general uh, approach seems to be let's not pay a couple three guys a whole bunch of money and let everybody else kind of go hang it's let's try to make this as equitable as possible so we can keep experienced players around as long as we can now colin was a cap casualty they weren't going to get to keep him um but by and large they've been pretty good at retaining their core guys using these pretty targeted financial strategies all right um now we 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 talked about like the depth at defense and um at center back and left back and such forth a minute ago but uh I'm changing gears on you a little bit there. Sorry, guys. Um, but the overall roster right now, it, it, I mean, we I think that's probably as much depth at every position there is in competition, legitimate competition. I mean, 
you know, the coaches always talk about wanting competition at every position and things like that. But uh, there's pretty much legitimate competition at everywhere right now, except maybe uh, D-Mid as far as who could start or who would be demanding some playing time at some point. I mean, Mike, do you feel that way at this point? No, I, I absolutely think I'm there. I absolutely think there's competition in basically every position on the field. I mean, we, we just got done talking about the center backs. I touched on the left backs. We touched on the wingers and then, uh, Dwyer, but you have Namath that can uh, that that can push uh, Dwyer if if, uh, if Burmese decides to push him centrally. You, you have a, a midfield that was so crowded that we we it, we didn't retain Lopez. We let him go for 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 nothing basically. Um, I mean, th- there's competition all over the field at this point, um, I- including in goal where where. Uh, Kempen, I think, showed last year that, given the chance, he could he, he'd be absolutely fine as as the starting goalkeeper for the club at this point. I think so. Yeah, absolutely, we have we have the depth all over the field now. Yeah. Well, uh, what about Demid though? I mean, who do you see being the competition for Sony's spot right now at at true Demid? I mean that. If you had to put one position I, that isn't, I mean, that might be the weakest. You have Sunni, and then you have uh, you have Olam and Failhaber, I guess. Because I mean, Nagamura, Espinoza, Kintia, th- those guys really aren't demids. Those are uh, th- those are more guys that can can advance a little bit more. So really, you're you're limited to. Uh, to, to Mustafar, uh, Olam, and then uh, pushing Failhaber back. And honestly, with with the additions of with the addition of Davis and his play last year for um, for Houston, pushing more centrally than he did on the wing, I feel less shaky about putting Failhaber back in the in the D mid position again, uh, giving that another try and having him play the deep line playmaker role because I think one of the issues last year was the fact that when Failhaber played back there, we had no creativity further up the field. But with the addition of Davis and Davis being able to slot in at, uh, at more of an attacking midfield position, you, 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 give, uh, you, you give that creativity back to the, to the attacking third that would allow Failhaber to also create from a deep line position. So, so how scary would it be having Failhaber as a D mid, being able to play that pass up to the wing, up to the attacking mid, up to the center forward, uh, uh, attacking mid of Davis, being able to lay that ball pretty much anywhere around the field that he wanted to? How scary would that be for some opponents? No, it. it, it I mean, it would be a. It, it would be quite scary for for a few teams because um, I mean, you you have you have the ability to thread passes through from deep as well as further up the field. And then the, what happens in a lot of those situations is you, you see team foul, but then you have Davis and Failhaber stepping up over the ball to take the free kicks uh, with either, with a 6-3 Opara or a, or, and or a 6-4 Cuello to, to get on the end of them. So, I mean, it, it it certainly makes Kansas City a much more 
dangerous team all over the field in that aspect. I think it's scary for the team until you lose possession and give up a counter. And then you don't have the guy like Mustafar who's got one speed in the red line and as your possession destroyer and the guy who busts up the counter. I mean, you've got a lot of creative guys up there. And granted, Dale Harbour has done a lot of work on defense. I say this and I'm trying to get back in his good graces because he's mad at me today. But uh, he's done a lot. Of, he's, he's done a lot of work on defense. But most of our does give you that that speed up to 11 possession wrecker that that can can sort of offset the counter because right now, yeah, you've got all these creators. But if something goes off with a pass, then you've got guys sprung, and you don't have somebody back in the back whose job is pretty much to to wreck those possessions before they get to the back line. Well, and and that's this may actually be circling back to our initial discussion about Quayo. Looking at his highlights, how many times did you see him come out of nowhere to do that? saving slide tackle and knock the ball away if you watch any of those highlights. I mean, he kind of looked like a much more finessed Colin um, in that he was making those saving tackles, but he wasn't. it didn't look like he was creating the problem that caused the guy to have the breakaway in the first place like Colin did sometimes. Um, or maybe... Maybe he's that guy that can still do that from the from the center back spot. Maybe he's you know almost a D mid center back kind of guy who can do that same sort of thing that you know most of our can when you have those situations like you might be playing Benny in there. Does put pressure on Beasler if that's the case though because you know if you if you miss obviously I haven't seen this guy in action yet against MLS competition you may he might just be cleaning up the the forwards on the on the break. Up the up the middle of the pitch, but if you miss, then you you've got a mismatch, and that's in uh, Beesler's. He, he again very positional, and he's he's made a lot of of, of clearances and saves, but he's not the guy who's going to jet out of nowhere to get to the open spot if somebody somebody blows a tackle. Um, the, the the thing that again we don't know how he's going how he's going to line up. Are they would they line up with? With uh, maybe an extra center back and no D mid, uh, or Quayo in that that sort of almost like a sweeper spot, for lack of a better word, uh, ahead of the of the back line. But it's one of the things that with this club, with the way the Sporting plays the game, the D mid spot is crucial because it, that's when they when they've had success is when they've had a guy in that spot who is good at doing. Causing the team problems was Julio Cesar. He wasn't a burner, but he knew where to be at the right moment to to break stuff up. Uri was uh, an interception machine and, and, a, and a good distributor. Mustavar just has the the work rate to uh, to really harass uh, opposing forwards. So that D mid spot is to me has always kind of been the crucial spot uh, for Sporting in any season that they've had had any success. Um, so I, I don't know if you if you've got a guy in there who's who's shown that he can do the job in, in Mustavar, then yeah, you you want somebody to push him, but I don't think you really want to tinker with that spot and move too many people in and out. Fair enough. Um, looking at the strength of this roster now, I mean we, we keep talking about the roster at this point and how how deep it is, but one of the things that I, I 
keep finding fascinating is that in every conversation I have with, with you know, guys like Steve and Mike and anybody else who is fairly knowledgeable about the team is we look at, uh, well, Davis could play on the left. He could play in the, in the attacking mid. Map could play on the left. He could play on the right. Uh, Zeus could play out on the right, on the wing. He could play in the midfield. Benny could play attacking mids, uh, D mid, box to box mid. Uh, you know, and as you start going around, the top ten guys on this team can play multiple positions. And to me, that gives Vermees options not only when he needs to have somebody come off the bench of plugging that guy in and moving people around, but even how he sets up for the next match. So. Davis might in this match play a little play out on the wing and um because of you know how he how Vermees sees the 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 other team's defense or he might have him be the attacking mid and Benny be the the box to box guy and give other somebody a rest it just to me the strength of this roster right now is there's so many options and so many different ways you could put that team together and so many guys who are are veterans now, and they, they it's not you're not going to lose much by moving them from one spot to the next. Is, it, is that a fair way to look at this, Mike? I think so a little bit. I mean, yeah, I I think to a point it is. How about you, Steve? Well, one thing about Vermees though is he likes consistency. His his whole thing is. He doesn't so much – when you talk to him, he, you ask him how, how you plan to adjust for people, and what he always says is, we're going to play our game, and we're going to try to make them play our game. So in, in terms of, of targeted starts and things like that, I think when he when he gives people a start, it's to give somebody a rest. He's not so much a tactical maneuver in, in terms of his lineup to react to what other teams are doing because that makes he doesn't like to be reactive. He wants so I think the versatility is good in that if somebody goes down or somebody is not performing in a spot, whatever he's got guys to go slot in there. But I don't think you're going to see somebody roving all over the pitch in a bunch of different positions um, from match to match, just because Vermees has never shown that. He's always shown that the the, the year that they uh, they started off so what, seven and zero. How many matches they go in a row without making a single change in the eleven? He'd play the whole season like that if he could, without having to make a change in the eleven because he likes that consistency. Now, and to to counter that a little bit though, go back and look at that roster. And was there a twelfth and thirteenth player that you would have wanted on the field more than the eleven that was starting? Right now, no matter which eleven sitting, no matter which eleven you put out there you could make a case for somebody else should be on that field. I mean, if we just look at the team as it was last year, you still have Davis and Mapp that's sitting there. Um, You have this new center back. You have multiple people at both outside back spots that that no matter who you talk to, one person will think Meyer should start, one will think it should be Abdul Salam or or Seth or Dia or, or DeJong. There's so many options at every spot right now uh, you know, even Quintia is, you know, in the mix for people wanting him to start because of he scored a, a PK. Um, <laughs> he, he, there's, there's never been as many guys that, that legitimately before the season starts and before we're even, you know, seeing them kick the ball in, in reality yet. But so many guys on paper that are, have a case to be in the starting lineup. He'd never yeah. had the option to play that many guys. 
So it may be something where he's got he can he can give guys space out there their starts a little better. Maybe give 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 people three on one off or three and it also I think it's just going to be huge in terms of of competition for those starting spots. If you're not performing consistently, then somebody's right there behind you. But I don't know. We the only person we've really seen go all over the pitch and just because he's so versatile is Jacob Peters. And he'll play any place you want to plug him in out there because he's just he's that kind of guy. He's a understands he's a he's a role player, he's a plug and play kind of a guy. He prides himself on his versatility. But I d I don't know. Maybe you'll see the lineup shifting more uh situationally. Maybe because you said it's it's new territory and it's 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 gonna kinda of be the way that, that Vermees has been up till now up and versus what he's got now and what he does with it. Yeah, and, and again, I just think the big difference is what he has now and how how many different options he has. I mean, we 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 went through different outside backs last year. Some because you know guys were recovering and you know Myers coming back off of injury, stuff having his injuries in the year and things like that. But even when they seemed like they were all back, they would still rotate through part of the time because he had the option. That just seems to be that. Once we ha- once he has that option, he might start taking it. But well, that's we're going to have to see. It's, I just love the fact that he has so many options. Um, all right, is there anything else we should talk about the roster at this point? We've killed it enough. Yeah, I think we've pretty well uh, pretty well discussed it. You know, the only thing I think it was maybe just, what do you do with Saad Abdul Salam? If with do you, do you send him to Swope Rangers, um, or do you because now you got you really you've got three right backs? Do you carry three right backs in the roster, or is he a guy you maybe look at at, at more time with it with the USL side? I I think with 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 Salam and and Dia, I I think a main part. Of it is uh, is you kind of have to wait and see what how Myers and Sinovic have, have both handled the the off season. I mean, Sinovic, for example, he he got time late in the season after coming back, but he was never the same player that he was uh, before his concussion. The the second half of the season, he just never looked like he had fully recovered from the concussion and Myers never really really fully looked like he was at his top speed after his his Achilles injury uh the year before so I mean I I think with with Salam and Dia I I think you have to to hold off at least a little bit uh, on loaning them out to to wait and see how Sinovic and Myers have really recovered from their injuries because neither one of them are are really getting any younger and the worry is how how can they can they reach the level that they were at in 2012 2013 uh when when the back line of Beesler, Sinovic, uh Myers and Collin was one of the was arguably the best back line in all of MLS for for a two and a half almost three year time period yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, of the three rookies from last year, I think Dia is the one who did the most. Really showed what he's got. I don't see him going out on loan uh, unless something crazy happens. Because he, when he got in last year, he didn't play like a rookie. Uh, and this is a kid who didn't even go to the combine. Who's huge surprise for a lot of people. And I think he submitted a spot on the senior squad. Pretty much no matter what. I could be wrong, but I think he's got a, se- a spot on the senior squad submitted going into the season. 
Well, and, and that that's part of what goes back to my earlier point about uh, about De Jong now being on the market with, with both Sinovic and Dia. I think you, you can afford to shop De Jong at this point with, with how Dia played last year. Yeah, I think that's a fair that's a fair assessment, definitely. Yeah, it, it, I won't argue with that. Um, but talking about Swill Park Rangers and, and loans, um, and again, I I may have read too much in the comments, but my understanding is that you could see some very short-term, quick loans where, um, say, sporting plays on Saturday night and um, Myers and Sonovic starts, and you could see the the a midweek game, which I'm not sure how many there are, but you could see the next game for the Rangers feature Dia and Abdul Salam, because right? they'll send. Them. I mean, it's not like it's a long trip. Um, yeah, <laughs> they could be sending these guys there. Um, and that is a real luxury. There's only probably going to be. Yeah, and have, not not just having it close, but having the fact that you own it and you tell them what to do. It's not like they're going to whine too much if you send a guy down and pull him back up and send him down and pull him back up because you're just getting him playing time. Um, you know, it's you could have EPB on the bench for a, a sporting game and playing in the next Rangers game and back on the bench for the next sporting game. You know, just as an example, you can see that quite a lot this year because they have that ability. They're they're not going to build a full 25-man roster for the Rangers. It's going to be 18 guys and a constant rotation of sporting players going down to either supplement it or or get the start. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's the luxury too is you you've got guys who are gonna be getting the same system, the same training. Uh so they're not gonna be going down, say, to Oklahoma City that's a I love Jimmy, but he doesn't train exactly the same way sporting does. Um when when Campbell went to, to San Antonio, they weren't training the exact same way Sporting does. The guys at Swope are going to be training the exact same way that Sporting does, the exact same system, and they're going to be going home and sleeping in their own beds every night, no matter where they're playing, whether it's Sporting or the Rangers. And and just to to make the case the other direction, you have guys down there who on a case of a couple injuries or Nemo's called up and Dwyer has a sore hamstring, you have a couple scores down there that you can bring up and pull on the put on the bench or or maybe play uh you know, granted outside back. You know, you got a lot of guys who uh you know, the Tommy Meyer that they just signed at center back. You know, he's played for MLS. he's played in MLS. You got a lot of guys down there that, hey, bring them up. Put them on the bench, start them. They're gonna be the, playing. the moves the moves the other way though aren't quite as clear the way i understand it is that to play with with sporting they have to have an mls contract and so far these guys are all signing signing usl contracts i mean i think and i'd have to go back and look i think maybe la was able to get a loan for one or two players for one game last year but for the most part it, the they had to sign a player to um to an MLS contract to be able to use uh one of their USL kids um i think seattle did it was it uh Kravine, that the that they did it with last year the guy who wears like number 99 i think they did it with him last year they had to sign him to a contract with the MLS squad to be able to use him in MLS games so i'm not sure how they can 
do that. And again, I have to go, go go read more about the loan structure, but I don't think it's as free and clear, at least with the players that are signing directly with the Rangers. LA had three players from USL in one match. Um, they, they loaned three guys from Los Dos up to the Galaxy. Because uh, I actually had this t- looking up the other day, and it was uh, Dave Romney, Ariel Lasseter, and Daniel Steers, or however you say his name. Um, but there was three guys that played or was in the match. Two of them played. One was on the bench. And one of them had to sign a contract, if I'm reading this correctly. Yeah, I think uh, but, eventually, as USL grows, you may see something like what you have with the NBA and the D-League. These guys can sh- sign short-term contracts, two-week contracts, 10 days, whatever, uh, to, to come up and do that. I, I think, especially with, with the exponential growth in, the, in, the, uh, in, in USL and the fact that so many MLS clubs, in fact, the, the model is for all MLS clubs to have a USL owned to own a USL team. But I think you you might actually have to get those short-term contracts worked out in the next CBA. Obviously, I don't, that'll that'll take some time before the next CBA comes up, but I think it's it's something they they might want to explore down the road. Topic for another time, I'm sure. Yeah, and again, I I could be wrong and I'm I'm not disputing you Mike, but I just think that they it, it's been figured out that um, they can pull these guys up and maybe they have to sign an MLS contract, but it, it, you know, it's a short term MLS contract. They have to have cap room and they have to have a roster spot, I believe, you know, so you got, you might be able to loan a guy out and pull one up or you know, there's some kind of shifty paperwork there. But that's yeah, kind of part it, of the deal. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's just a lot of, I, I think the loans last year with LA I think that those were the only loans I remember seeing last year. I remember Lasseter's kid being one of them, um, but I don't remember seeing any any real rules regarding that. I remember there being a lot of questions after the fact of wait how they how this happened, <laughs> sort of thing. And maybe will maybe uh, when MLS gets around to publishing the 2016 roster rules. Uh, Hopefully that's before before they did last year, which was I think like May or something by the time they did that. But maybe that'll be explained a little bit more in there, and we'll be able to understand a little bit more how loaning Tommy Meyer or loaning Johnny Grant or Dane Kelly to uh, to Sporting KC for a game would work. Yeah, good luck on that because I think tax lawyers look at uh, the contract rules and. And sort of shake their heads and cry. And they're <laughs> they're uh, they, they're uh, they're positively uh, arcane in some in some ways. Yeah. Now I I did do some research and I I, I don't want to I don't want to quote exactly what I was told here because I I'm, 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 but I was essentially what I was reading back to some notes that I I got from somebody I was talking to is that uh, USL policy is that there's no restriction on the number that they can send up. That's the USL policy. The MLS one is that uh, any compensation paid to that player goes against the MLS budget charge for the for the, for the MLS team. And they didn't go into any detail about having the you know, the contracts and stuff like that. So I, I mean, I don't know about that part, but it just seemed like it was very much more open than what 
than 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 what anybody knew in the past. I could be wrong, and I could be a little. Could very well be. I, could be I, think I think the free flow will be. I I, I think that they'll probably provide for a pretty free flow between uh, between the clubs, if not now, at least in the future. Yeah, and, and to me, it only makes sense to do so because that enhances the relationship between the MLS team and the USL team. That makes it, uh, you know, that much more likely for an MLS team and to to have its own USL team instead of just a, an affiliate where we send three or four players. So it, it and you seems can like that would provision. be. You, know, you can write in a provision where if you call up a guy, you know, three times during the year, you've got to give him an MLS contract for the rest of the season. You can have a if you can't call a guy up and down and up and down and up and down without giving him a, an MLS deal for the rest of the season. They can work in some some deals like that, but um, they're still they're kind of in the in the the shakedown cruise stage of, of this with with so much growth in USL and so many clubs again getting their own teams. Oh, absolutely. Um, all right, and the fact and, that and, okay, just no. <laughs> Don't ever say those jokes again. Actually, not in my hearing. <laughs> sorry, I was I was actually just reading. Well, I was reading a web page when I said that, so um, uh, that's probably why I read it. Um, uh, all right, probably enough about Swill Park Rangers for the moment. Um, Heineman, in his usual fashion, is tweeting out little tidbits of information, but not enough to really know what's going on. Anybody got any guesses about the center midfielder that he he spoke about that? Um, uh, you know, it said they were trying to get a loan, but it turned out in, turned into an acquisition. It looks like. Any guesses? No, I've got nothing right now. But Mike, Mike might have something. Uh, not, not this time. No, I, I got nothing on this. I used most of my research ability to find some of the uh, <laughs> some of the Namath stuff. So I got nothing with regards to uh, potential sign potential loan slash permanent signing at this point just I, I always anymore I've learned to take everything Rob says with a grain of salt the uh, the CRH comment um, is a great example of that I think that had people definitely looking didn't it yes. and uh, sometimes not tonight but at some point uh, you have to ask what uh, what's going on with Fluminense you know, are they ever going to get any loans from Fluminense or loan guys out there because of the deal they've got in place? So there's there's all kinds of, of in and out questions still to be asked. Uh, actually, I think the end? deal is gone. Yeah. What? I think it's over. Is it, uh, is wait, it a two years or is it one? I thought it was a two year and still had a year left. Uh, actually, they do have. They did extend it through uh, 2016. Actually. As I uh, pull it up on my computer, so technically they do have still have the relationship this year. At, at least they did when uh, this article was posted on the team's website uh, back yeah, in August of 2014. So obviously things could have changed since then. Um, similar to how the uh, how the club's partnership with uh, with Atlas slowly just kind of faded into the background of the way the team was doing things. So, yeah, the, technically I guess it is still going, but if it's just way back on the back burner. Yeah, yeah. If, if something doesn't come of it, it's 
not going to surprise me. Um, yeah, I again, I I asked somebody about it at the end, towards the end of last year, and the impression—I shouldn't say the impression—what I was told was it was basically done. If if it is not officially over, it was you know it's being let die because there was no, they just weren't getting anything out of it. Yeah, they're not going to throw a lot. They're not going to put a lot of energy into things that aren't uh, aren't producing pretty immediate results. I don't think, or at least at least results they can they can measure. Yeah, they got Julio out of it for a year. Yeah, they got Igor out of it for a year, and then they uh, wanted a lot of money for him, uh, and more than he was probably worth. And then they probably going to let him just wither down there instead of having moved him. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's on like his fourth loaned team since he left Kansas City. So, yeah, they okay. I think they overestimated the interest in him at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was good, and I liked him. And I mean, I think I would have been happy if he was still around. But considering how Dia and Abdul Salam showed up last year, I'm okay with him not having come back. Yeah, I think he he burns a lot of bridges back in Brazil too. I think with his comments on on uh, the state of Brazilian football, and I, I think he he may be uh, sort of on the on the outs with the system down there as well. So I didn't see this topic yeah, coming well, up. I don't think anybody did, but uh, hey, all no. over the board tonight, right? <laughs> yeah, well, as it, it, it wraps down, you know, we, it's I always put you know and whatever else we can fit in at the end of my 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 paragraph of describing the podcast, and this is pretty much how it just went. Um, but yeah, if you just said odds Igor on mentioning Igor, Julio, and Fluminense, I think people would have taken that action. I think it would have gone like 75 to 1 on the odds of mentioning, uh, or actually probably 750 to 1 on the odds of mentioning Fluminense, Igor, Julio. I think I probably would have taken mm-hmm. that action on the uh, on the no. Oh, well. I, I think wherever Nagamura goes to coach, uh, Igor will show up there to play. <laughs> yeah, that could that could be very well be true. All right. All right. Um, yeah, well, we, okay. I think that was the last person we had to mention on the roster too was Paulo, wasn't it? No, no. Mike mentioned Paulo earlier, so we're covered. We mentioned everybody on the roster. A couple of the guys that aren't now. So we're good. Yeah, very true. Um all right, I I I've covered everything we've covered everything that I had written down and, and a little bit more obviously. Is there uh Mike, is there anything we should talk about real quick? Uh, we technically I've got like five minutes left on the podcast. Uh, I got I got nothing. Yeah, I got nothing this at this time. <laughs> no problem. Um, well, uh, we'll have to get our Where's Will John update started up again as we get these more regular. Uh, how about How about you, Steve? Anything that we haven't discussed that we can discuss in about three minutes? No, no, no. My my ADD has already rained all over the uh, the, the picnic tonight, so I'm not going to do that anymore. I, I'm good. <laughs> all right, I'll just I will add one more thing that I just found interesting is that when they announced that they weren't doing a scrimmage today with FC Tucson and they put out a new uh, preseason schedule, that all of a sudden we were scrimmaging a South Korean team. Oh. Yes, I, I I did I did notice that, and I forgot to say something about it at the time. But yes, I did find that interesting today. Um, yeah, and I, I was like, I, I, that was completely out of the blue for me. I was like, wait a minute, did I miss that? Was that new? And I was told, no, that's that's new. That's um, and I, I think they're scrimmaging uh, San Jose also a couple of days after they play Sporting. Uh, but 
young, That'll be fun young teams. Yeah, the, the Korean teams, especially Korean and Japanese teams, and especially Korean teams, tend to be very technical. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that that kind of matches up against the the, the MLS style. I'm I'm hoping that that one is televised uh, or streamed. Um, it's on the San Jose site. It says it's a closed door game. Yeah. Um, so I don't. Maybe they were trying to be sneaky and not allow anybody back in South Korea to see what they're doing. Maybe you can get Cap on the stream on his phone. <laughs> Put it on YouTube. Well, I mean, it's not like we have a bunch of trialists we have to hide at this point. As we discussed to death, our roster is kind of full at this point. So yeah, it's not like anybody's yeah. not like the uh, not like the roster's wide open and they've got all these people flooding and trying to get a spot. Yeah, and, and if, the, if they're getting a spot, it's with Rangers. Yeah. Have a yeah. feeling trialist one, two, and three isn't going to get a run out this year that much. Yeah, no, trialist three is uh, is Ranger one or two. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so anyway, that's about it. Uh, any last words, guys? No, it's been fun. Cover a lot of ground. All right. Uh, hey, it's been great to have both of you on the call tonight on the on the on the podcast. Um, this is Bad Bell from TheBlueTestament.com, Mike from DownTheByline.com, Steve, the MLS beat writer for Sporting Kansas City. Um, appreciate it, guys, and uh, we will chat again, hopefully, next week. Sounds like fun. Thanks, man. Good night, guys. Celebrate tonight. We're the final with the blows. You know we're gonna feel alright.